Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Tuesday, the 2nd of February, here with Chad Helm and Ty Delbridge. What up? What up? What up, what up? I am Keith Feltner-Smith, and you're listening to the Podland Trailcasters. We have no guests today because we are playing catch-up. Uh, first things first, apologies. Uh, our last release pod was was January 9th, uh, almost a month ago. We had a pod after that, uh, but things have been a little crazy between technical difficulties, uh, real life going on, topics kind of changing before we kind of finished editing, all the rest of the stuff. Uh, so, yeah, like I, I think, Chad, uh, you and I talked. We kind of left Ty out of this, I think, at one point. But we, we were talking about... Uh, taking a week break after we recorded with Cassa, Cassidy Gemmett and Varun Bose, um, which did not see the air. But uh, yeah, that, that one week break that we talked about after that podcast, because the pod didn't get put out, and then we've taken a longer break, it's turned into like nearly a month break. But yeah, good to and, see you again. And I thank you for that break, because it was needed during my move. Oh, no, I'm, I'm glad you needed it as well, man, because I... We, I've, we've been, we've been packing over here. It's going slower than we wanted to, uh, between packing and puppy training, and you know, just kind of the actual day-to-day job of keeping life going right now. Uh, things have been slow, but it's, it's, it was nice to have some time off. But also, it's really, 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 really nice to see both of you guys again. Even though technically, can't I can't see, see Ty right now. You, you can't. Can we're gonna go freaking camera. You can only hear me. I spent, Your voice is good, man. I spent 15, I that- 20 minutes trying to figure out this camera. And it is not, and I told you, at some point, I'm going to pop up on here, so just be ready. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to see some Thai on here. Just like I'm seeing Chad, I'm seeing Alicia in the background. Oh, there she, there she goes. Uh, okay, I'm not she sure. Can't oh, you've got headphones on. Well, yeah, that's because you're a pro, sir. Because you're wearing headphones, she couldn't hear me. That makes sense. Uh, because... Because we here are doing this uh, as true professionals. We have quality podcasting to give all of you uh, that have been waiting for nearly a month. So thank you for tuning back in if you're listening. And, and uh, hi, 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 fam. Hi, hi dad. Hi, hey, brothers and the hey. rest. And, you know, I don't know, the few other friends that are probably actually hearing this. Hey! Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was just letting the high and all that sink I was in, you know? The, yeah, just, they, just sit they, on it. Just, just let it let simmer. It I wanted to give them all a chance to respond. Exactly. Yeah, they're out there somewhere. They, they, they Carter is probably listening at work. Uh, Dad is playing golf. CJ is uh, walking his mail route. Uh, and uh, I don't know. What about you guys? Do you have any family that you've told about the pod? Like you know, like hey, come check out this thing that we do where we talk about Blazers. I tell them. Yep. I'm, I've I'm got right. some friends yeah. that are interested in it. I'm. Uh, <laughs> don't tell them how to get to it yet, though. I'm leaving them hanging. I just tell him the name and let him search. Yep. Go and find it. I say, we do a Trailblazers <laughs> podcast, and I leave it at that. We have a Trailblazers podcast. Occasionally, apparently. It should be week to week. It's more like, you know, week to week to month to, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, just like <laughs> everything no. this year. Everything exactly. Yes. Down, so. Everything in life. Everything in 2020 and so no one can the be first month shot. of 2021. Hey, look, we are through the first month of 2021. I, I feel like that's a victory in itself. We are we've like distanced ourselves from what was 2020, and as has if that's going to change changed? things. <laughs> I mean, you know, a little has changed, not nearly as much as should have changed. I'm not even talking politics, but we could, though we won't. We're going to talk Blazers. Yeah. <laughs> move straight on. I mean, I say that I just moved, so there was a big change in my life for this year, for sure. 
I mean, that's the, yeah. Like, you moved. I'm working on moving. How's the, Ty. How's, Ty, how's the business? Yeah. It's yeah, good. It's coffee shop. Very good. I think these people, they all want coffee still, so I'm there to serve. Uh, that's good. I just did a remodel of our coffee bar, so put a new like, area up there and put some shelves in and stuff. So, yeah, it's going good. Fantastic. And it keeps me busy on my toes week to week, day, hours, every day, at any moment. So I have my phone out loud at 4 o'clock in the morning ready for whoever's opening the shop to call me with a problem. So. Wow. Yeah, how does, how does that go? Like, what's the latest call you've gotten? Uh, uh, last... Something recently where you had to wake up at, like, 3 a.m. And, Thursday. And no, last Wednesday or Thursday, I had my opener walk in there, and there was no hot water to my machines, to my house coffee machine or my espresso machine. So at 4.15 in the morning, I had to try and figure out why that was the case. I obviously could not call my repairman at 4.15 in the morning. So I had to leave cold like a coffee. text message about that. And then, yeah, stay open and then, yeah, do cold brew and then blended drinks and other stuff and then try and sway people. But, of course, obviously, really they, what you did? You yeah, just, I just had to kind of like explain you, what happened until I could get it fixed. And, yeah, just roll with it. Damn. I had to go there and do some work on the filters, and then I just had to bypass the filters to get water straight to them. Yeah, it was a whole ordeal, but that was uh, all between 4.15 in the morning and 7.30 in the morning. So, Yikes. Uh, so... Life of a business owner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it, though. I'd rather be my boss than someone else being my boss. So, That's fair. That's fair. Uh, and so, Chad, you've been moving. You've been. Uh, you, you, I saw some flooring put in. You got at least the office, and I see. Yeah, you now getting in the an office set up in the garage. Is the garage the same as the office? Or yeah. Is it the same spaces. Okay. The garage that we have turned into an office slash entertainment <laughs> area slash workout studio. Okay, multifunctional. It's gonna kind of. It's gonna be. It's like an extension of the house. The house is like a, just pretty much a living room, kitchen, and our bedroom. All that aside, though, let's talk some Blazers, because that's what we're actually here for. We have a lot to catch up on. Uh, so we mentioned earlier, the last pod we put out was January 9th. We recorded one after that about, I think, around January 14th or so with Cassidy Gimmett and Varun Bo. Shout out to both of them. Uh, also, shout out to uh, Ashton Batuso and Evan M from the actual last pod we did do uh, nearly a month ago. Anyway, but with uh, the recording from Cass and Varun, that was before CJ sprained his left foot and before Nurk fractured his right wrist beyond those two brutal injuries that have absolutely changed the team we've had roster changes we've had postponed games we've had game winning shots game winning shots we've had dame having twins born uh, a whole lot is happening in between here and there what do you guys want to focus on uh, like should we go chronologically here or should we kind of talk about uh, you know the kind of the order of events just run through them and how you feel uh, or would you rather do like what's been your highlight I mean I don't know about highlight but I think obviously the biggest thing is the injuries I mean it was supposed to yeah. be a seven game homestand where I remember last part we were saying that this would be very telling for the Blazers season moving forward if they can get it back onto a rhythm now that they're home and get some easy wins versus the Grizzlies and all these other teams well, all of a sudden, they didn't play the Grizzlies at all because of COVID due to <laughs> Memphis. And then you have uh, Nurk break his hand by swiping down – or his wrist by swiping down on a ball. And then you have CJ break his foot like very next day or fracture his foot the very next game by getting stepped on. Can we on. talk about how weird of an injury Nurk's thing was? Just swipe down. It's just I, so weird. It's so weird. I, I, 
I'm sure we've all seen the replay plenty of times, but like that for that to be a fractured wrist, it looked like maybe a dislocated thumb in my like when you see it on camera or whatever. And I, I, I I'm not telling people to like go back. Obviously, again, it's been a while. I'm not trying to focus on this too long. But like he had the swipe down, and then a second or two later, he went up for a a defensive kind of contest and fell to the floor. I was wondering if maybe he hurt it worse by falling on the hand. People have kind of denied that. They said, no, it was on the swipe down. Uh, but man, like how do you fracture a wrist on, on, a freak, on a basketball? Just a freak normal play. A freak normal play. Just so swiping crazy. down. In high school, I fractured my hand doing that exact same swipe down. Really? Yeah, a really slow person was doing a crossover. And they were much bigger than I was. And I, when I swiped across with my right hand and hit their hand, it caught my middle finger and it did a spiral crack in my weird in my in my, okay. in my actual right. bone of my hand, not my finger. But and it was probably well, like an inch, an inch long spiral crack. But that's not a wrist, and I don't know. There's smaller, different bones in there. <laughs> it I, seems yeah. like it's still a weird freak thing, and there's a couple different. Well, and, and obviously the wrists are complicated. There's a lot of small bones, a lot of small. I've broken parts both my wrists. I and I really yeah, but I feel <laughs> like that's it, from like falling. Felt, though, yeah, it? exactly. Like I went yeah, down the yeah. stairs in a laundry basket, snapped it uh, <laughs> by one. I I tried catching the railing. That whatever. And then I broke it in a basketball game because I was trying to hit a kid. I was hit a kid. I was gonna kind of. Definitely flagrant foul him, let's say that, because they were up big, and he was trying to run up the score. Well, he <laughs> stopped on his layup, and then I continued to jump. I jumped basically over him, and then oh, I, I stuck my wrist down, and then I shattered it. So like that, I had to basically do two things to break and shatter my wrist. He swipes down, barely makes contact on the ball, and fractures his wrist. Yeah, I broke the growth crazy. plate in the wrist kind of area because somebody wanted to try a wrestling move on me, and they pinned my hand under my body and pinned Ugh. my arm back. Yeah, but, I, or my hand back. But I feel like you need like a lot of pressure to break those wrist bones. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know, and I don't know if it is because it is. I mean, like he's had two freak injuries now, so like, I mean, like you can't really say he's injury prone, but that is two, three injuries that he's had since he's been a Blazer where he's, he's had just these weird, random injuries. Like, that first broken leg when he first got here, he, like, played on it, and then all of a sudden, like, it was, like, two days later, like, it was announced that he had a fractured leg. You're like, wait, what? He just had a good game. Right. And then, yeah, so I don't know if he's injury Was that his or first just year? Free? Yeah, that was his first year. The nurse and, okay, so, and then he came so, back for the so, playoffs one game and... So this is his third kind of like long-term injury since he's been a blazer, like you said, Ty. Uh, he had at, what, what did he have? Before? Is it, it's not the only injuries of his career, I guess. Is what I'm trying to get at, like in Denver, yeah. he had—I don't remember exactly what it was. The details are escaping me right now. But he had other injuries before he came here, and that was part of even what lowered his value, right? Like I, what kind of? I think that and his attitude was it. I felt like, but I just never right. really—he wasn't happy like, on the bench there, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, he wasn't happy. So like. I don't know, like, I never really heard, like, ri- like rumors or anything about him being injury-prone, but at this point now, it's starting to, it's I don't know, to, like, it's hard to it, deny. It, I think it's a conversation. It certainly is, like, it, you, may not, you may not be able to say, like, oh, yeah, he's definitely injury-prone, but it's starting to be, you know, if, if someone argued that he is... Has he been injured every year there. that he's been with us? Yeah. Yep. Like, and missed yep. more than, like, 13 games. Yeah, because he okay, came back because he missed, like, that first year with the leg or whatever. And then he finally came back fully healthy. And then he was dominating. And then he broke his leg versus the Nets. That was second year. And then 
last year was the whole bubble or was he was out and then he came back during the bubble played that end of the year and then this year he played yeah so there was just that one leg injury lasted through another year yeah yeah so i guess technically last year he was he didn't get injured in the season when he because he, 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 he never really got healthy enough to play though either yeah i mean at this okay, point so... i would say him or i don't know i mean like uh What's his name? I already forgot his name. Uh, so freaking Zach Collins. I remember forgetting his name because we don't see him anymore. <laughs> I'm starting to think he's injury prone. Injury whatever. So so Nurkic, uh, since he's been with us, it, he came here in 2016-17. He played 20 games for us that year and a total of 65 games that season uh, where he, between us and Denver. The next year, he played 79 of 82, then 72. Okay. And then uh, the bubble season last year, it hasn't listed as eight. That's obviously a weird number. I'm not sure if they're counting your actual Orlando bubble or not. Then this season, he played 12 games for us before. Uh, so we did get a full year out of him? There has been, not been one season where he played 82. He played 79 games for us in 2017-18. So, yes, the first season after we traded for him. Like, we traded for him in, like, the end of that year. Yeah. The next season, he played 79 games. And then 72 the year after that. So he only missed 10 the next game. So it hasn't been that bad. It's only been It just seems to come at the worst time. And then 1920. I guess maybe that's yeah. it. It's been that. It's just recency bias a little bit, to be honest. Recency. Uh, maybe we're kind of falling. Yeah. We're kind of falling in the, in the way of just like the last couple of years have, have been the last three years, let's say 18, 19, and 20, have been rough on his injury uh, life. But before that, he played. Uh, basketball references got him listed as playing 79 games in 2017 18 and uh, 72 the next year. Can I say that so I'm it, so much happier watching Cantor over Whiteside as oh. our starting center? Oh my God. <laughs> I am uh, super stoked that we have Cantor here. Uh, I wasn't, I remember the first time we had him, obviously, I was stoked to have him and he played great in the playoffs with that one shoulder and just everything he did for us. But I was. I was very happy when we made the move to get him back, but I did not think he'd be coming in and just playing how he is. He's putting up double doubles and like he literally looks like a starting center in this league right now. So like that's why like that CJ injury sucks so bad because yes, it hurts to lose Nurkic because he is such a valuable piece of this team. But in a way, you can move up a guy like Canner, and then with CJ, then you're almost not missing a beat in a way. But now when you lose CJ and Nurk, that really sucks. Holy shit, though, is Cantor the issue? Is Cantor the curse for Nurkic? Is that the issue here? Both <laughs> that years that we've had Cantor come weird. in, Nurk has gone no, down. We got, no, we got Cantor after Nurk went down, I think. No, we it was right before. It no, was like right I, 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 I think yeah. we picked up Nurk as the, or, sorry, we picked up Cantor as the backup for Nurk, and then he became the starter when we went to the, when we went to the finals. I mean, the I mean, like, it was basically girl? like the. Uh, uh, or because I basically, because that thing reminded me of the Wes Matthews. <laughs> And then right. like a Flalo thing. You got Wes, and then yeah, you got a Flalo to be the backup for yeah, Wes, yeah. and then all of a sudden Wes gets hurt, and then all you have to start a Flalo, which messes up the bench, and yeah. Right, and it is. It's the same kind of issue. Like, that was the year, uh, I think that was 2012, uh, when we had a top uh, – they were talking about the Blazers as one of like the top three teams in the league. We were a dark With one. Uh, oh, yeah. LaMarcus, with uh, uh, Wes, and, yeah, like that, that whole lineup that go in there. Uh, Wes and Batum were the two forwards we – or kind of the guard forward, the wings we had going. Uh, and then Wes gets hurt when we brought in a follow, and a follow becomes that starter, like you said, Ty. So same kind of thing here where we have – we load up on a solid backup center behind Nurk, and then suddenly Nurk goes down both times. Uh, I'm not blaming Kenner. I'm just saying <laughs> there's a pattern here. 
pattern. <laughs> and, and, and Chad, I know you uh, love Kenner, so really I'm blaming you. Well, uh, here's, I think your here's the reason I love Kenner, if you want to like, segue into that. <laughs> Go for it. it. I think that Scanner's better for our team. I think it, our, our roles are... Wait, whoa, more, better than Nurk? I think he's better for our team. I don't think he's better, better than, than Nurk. I don't think he's better than Nurk. I think he's better for our team. And I think the reason is everyone has a clear, defined role. Now, I do understand where he's going to make the difference down the stretch against certain other teams, and we need a big guy to be able to go to. And they were really trying hard to get him rolling. But if he's not rolling... They continue to feed him the rock and trying to get him to go. Cantor is not that way. He's going to get his how he gets his. We don't have to incorporate him into the offense. So the roles of all the players are more defined when Cantor's in there. I, Dame's a scorer. CJ was a scorer. Roddy Hood okay. knows he has to be a scorer. But like they looked for Nurk so much and wanted him to get his that they fed him on the block a lot. The thing is... Sorry, Ty. Do you have you want to throw? No, I agree before? with that a little bit. No, I I definitely. Oh, uh, you agree I with him? I mean, him? I mean, I agree. Uh, I'm not. I'm, uh, I, uh, I think Nurk is a changer. I think he's a game changer, and I think him when he's rolling, he can make us a championship team. Yeah, I definitely see what he's saying. I'm not. Kander. Yeah, like, like I'm not saying in that sense. Like obviously I want Kander, but like that wasn't my first thought. But him selling that the way he was talking about that, I definitely Listen, agree. I, I'm, it's kind of like I'm, having I'm, I'm good, like a good have... role player on the team. Yes, it, it, I, I'm, I'm happy to have Kanner as a role player. He's a great backup, uh, and he's done a great job as a starter when we needed him to do so and fill in shoes. Nurk is a next level above Kenner, if not more than a next level above Kenner, as far as the potential and the ceiling of his abilities. We, we The reason we're seeing no the one's arguing kind of that. work him in there. I, well, you're, you're talking about like the, them having to work him in on offense. I'm just saying it's not even an offensive thing here. Like they, Nurk's... Offensive potential, I think, is Cantor or better. But the defense, there's no contest. There's no difference between the two of them on on the other end of the court. What the, what like Cantor is just he's just not defensive. He's just not he's not a rim protector. I'm just he's saying, if your number five gets you 20 points, does and and it's, and you don't have to feed him the ball. He just gets it in the flow of the offense from everyone else shooting because he can rebound and get his own putbacks. Right. Or he gets in good position for the versus having to. Versus having to feed Nurk, which is what you're talking about. On versus we side. have set plays for Nurk, and that's how he okay, gets his so, 20. But what I'm talking about is if you get 20 in the system offensively uh, from Cantor, what you're giving up defensively, especially when you have Damon CJ, who are weak defensive guards, and you need a center behind them to back them up and make up for what they're not doing, Nurk, or Cantor's not it. I don't think he's as We're, bad as... I don't think he's as bad as everyone makes him out to be. And I think Rocco and DJJ make up for that. If they were healthy. Well, Rocco yes. is. <laughs> they might yeah, healthy. Rocco, uh, <laughs> neither I one of them I definitely agree. Uh, like, and Rocco I can't mean, help with offense either. Sorry, I mean, sorry, go ahead. No, like, you, or, or you're fine, Keith. I was just saying, for you, I definitely see your point. And for Nurkic, um, I think for him, because he does kind of have, not like an ego, but he does kind of get upset and stuff. So, or sometimes like they do force feed him and that can kind of mess up things. And I think we've kind of seen that with Melo where they've kind of like maybe given him the ball to like kind of please him. And then, and then it kind of just shuts down the offense. So I think with Nurkic in a way he can do that. And what is annoying is sometimes he's just not efficient down there. So they do try and get him down there and he's not as efficient as he should be or could be. And yes, I think if he was more powerful down there, then... 
I wouldn't have a problem like with them like force feeding him. But sometimes he's just so lazy down there, or he just throws up these weak little floaters. I'm like, don't force feed him. So I see it in that sense. Right. Like, yeah, like it, he doesn't because, use his size, right? No, like, not at all. He doesn't overpower the guy that's guarding him, even if they're small. So like Cantor I mean, seems stronger. How much this is about? How much of this is about Nurk trying? Like, if he we're we're seeing him as he's trying to come back from injury, like he's having to feel his way back there, and we're there's gonna be a fear of how much can you put on it, how much can you kind of like like test it. He's always test kind it, of been that though. Like even like, you, before Kyle. like he broke it, like he was always just like yes, like he had a really good game, and then like all of a sudden next game, like all right, let's see if he can capitalize. And he's trying to shoot threes, or he's trying to pull up from the mid range, or he's shooting these weird floaters from the free throw line. Dude, you have a six nine dude on you, like. Just bowl him over, and he's kind of like trying to be too like Jokic. The year that he broke his leg, that really bad break, he had he had strung together several weeks of being like, okay, like he's getting it together now. Like this is the guy. Like he's not streaky anymore. He started pulling it together, was more consistent. I felt like he was making better decisions, not throwing up weak floaters and bad decisions. Instead, of, instead he was passing it out and getting assists. And I think that that's what made him really exciting, and that made that year really exciting. And really defeating when he, I mean, we still made it to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. And that's why with Canner, I agree with you, which is, the, or like or like with defense, I mean, like, he did enough for us to get to the Western Conference Final with one shoulder. So now, like, I don't really use him as, like, that main, like, scapegoat anymore. Like, so, like, or, or like, maybe, like, he's not, scapegoat. no, not for you, but, like, in general, like, I think people like to, like, make fun of his defense. Like, he can't play. And I think, no, he's fine enough to play i think it comes down to other things around and it proved when he was able to get us to the western conference final or not him but just be a nice piece of that no i'm not i'm definitely not trying to make him a main scapegoat this year he did tremendous uh work for us when he was when he took us uh, when he helped us get the western finals before and even right now right we are all uh seem to be here on the washington game as we're recording here portland up 18 to 7 canada's the line yep he just went in there uh got fouled pretty hard his you jump shot his jump shot shoulder. was clearly like i'm gonna go in and get this rebound like i'm gonna put this right yeah. here and stick it i'm gonna put board. it up here short put up here maybe get hacked and and either way i'm coming with the ball uh he's he's not a bad player i love his hustle i love his energy and a lot of his off-court stuff i admire as well but he's a one ended player he's not doing much on the defensive end ideally for portland all i'm trying to say all i'm trying to say i'm not trying to say i'm not saying he's horrible on defense i'm just saying ideally for portland we need we need a defensive minded center to make up for what we don't have in the guard 20 rebounds is doing something on the defensive side or however many the guy gets when you have to pull in both roco and djj just to make up for the guards defense that's saying something like we should, we, I, and especially when now you're seeing Rocco, whatever he's doing on defense is good. It's not good enough right now. You think honestly. Nurk made up uh, for but their his offense is horrible. You think Nurk made they, up for theirs, the guards defense? Nurk, Nurk was, yes, Nurk was a tremendous uh, at the rim protector as far as people getting past Damon CJ and driving in there. Like Nurk was a very good player in, in there for the most part. I, I, I think honestly, he is an ideal center for this kind of team where he can defend at the rim he can uh also kind of like uh, you know pass out from inside he, he's got it uh, again that's another skill that we're not talking about here him versus canner alone you're talking about a player where you can hand him the ball and he can make a play from there nurk towers above and so it's not just a, it's not just a defensive thing it's an offensive skill as well where it's not just getting your own shot he's setting up the rest of the team people like gary people like the, all the other shooters we would have uh so I, i'm Again, I'm not making this thing about Nurk versus Kanner. I'm happy with what Kanner is doing. I'm just saying there's a difference between, between these two players. 
and both years Kenner's come in, we've had Nurt go down early. So uh, there, there is a difference, but there, the there's criticism. positive differences in Kenner's favor in, in, that are against Nurt that I don't think you're counting, and that's defensive rebounds do matter, offensive rebounds do matter, and he gets a lot of those that Nurt would have never got because he positions himself better than anyone else on our team. He does. He's almost anybody in the league. I'm not maybe. arguing that. Yeah, he's. I mean, he might be the best offensive rebounder. And then I definitely agree. Like, he's obviously not, or like, I mean, like, he's no, like, great defender. And I, I think the Blazers have, think they have two of them with Nurkic and Collins, but obviously they can't play those guys. So I think their ideal thing was being able to play, like, Canner with Collins or, or like, or, like, with Covington to be, like, more of a four, but he hasn't really there shown he could be that. So I feel like they maybe were like anticipating this but now like what they anticipated is not working out which we're seeing with this roster in general with not like right what's like what's happening i think our defense lacked in our wings and that's what i think they got djj and roko for i think we lost but when we lost batum i think we lost all of i don't know if we brought in another good hold up but mo harkless and amina were both known for defense on the wing the the problem was inconsistency on the shooting side and that's again what we're seeing right now with uh, with yeah, but they were Roko. small. He should like, be a much like better Aminu shooter would, than he is. Aminu would get overpowered on the on the board or on the boards and in, inside all day long. So he was long. He was athletic, but not like he wasn't built like Roko. He was a little more. I guess DJJ is a little bit like that, but he can jump out of the roof. So I don't hate Nurk. I love Nurk. I think that he's going to be great for the team. I think if he was rolling, he would. It's a it's a difference maker, and we that a lot of teams in the league don't have. I agree. Okay, real quick, so we can get off, not get off this subject, but I feel like we've probably hit this yeah, a few. Yeah, we, we've talked about that. Uh, for CJ, I mean, like, there he was go. playing at a very, like, great level. Like, obviously, like, he was playing, like, a top-five guard before he got hurt, I think, and obviously, like, an all-star. Oh. And now he's hurt, and now we're seeing Gary play well. We're seeing, like, maybe Simon starting to figure it out. And now Nasir, what do you think the Blazers end up doing? I mean, yes, now, I mean, okay, or so kind of backtrack. I am at a weird point at this year with this team now with COVID, with these injuries. I don't know what they're going to do because, well, it's that Blazers front office is very, like, slow to react to things, in my opinion. And I don't think they're going to, like, really, like, react to this season. I think they're going to see it as a COVID season and as an injury season and not try and freak out. And I feel like that is what they tend to do. So that is kind of what I am thinking they're going to end up do is not freak out on this year and not trade anybody and just try and bring everybody back and not trading the young pieces and all that in my opinion what do you guys think so we're, we're talking about as far as uh as far as uh the, the like how much of, of are the injuries affecting like the the team's future right? yeah 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 like uh the the cj thing I think the CJ thing is honestly less impactful than uh, than the Nurkic injury in the long run. I, I think the the issue at center is a, is a position they have to kind of like, I mean, you know, for lack of a better phrase, rotate around. Where the stuff with CJ, like you said, Ty, before he went down, he showed his value. He had all-star numbers. He was like just like just career high numbers, uh, and a, a great fiery start for him. Other teams, if they were. I'm not. I'm not trying to push for the CJ trade thing. I know we've gotten into that plenty before, but uh, if teams were looking at CJ after an injury when he recovers, they're going to know what he can do. They're, they've seen what he can put up there. 
Galatians benefit even more because we have now seen what Gary can put up, what Anthony Simons is at least developing towards. Uh, this is a good spot for us overall. I think we're, we're CJ's injury it sucks not to have him here because it changes the tra trajectory of this season. But it doesn't. Uh, it, it helps us, I think, in the long run. Where it's Nurk's injury, it shortens our rotation at big man. But CJ's injury, I think, frees up a lot more minutes for young players to develop. Uh, and I, I want to get into this later. We can. I mean, CJ you know, I separate. CJ's not old, but he's he's matured in prime. He's not like one of these young dudes. Like, he's, like he's not a next generation player. Get out of here. But look, we've got <laughs> we've got a handful of players like uh, Anthony Simons, Jan, uh, Gary Trent Jr. Hood. I want to get to Nasir a little later, uh, and him and Melo. The whole question that like, we'll get to that thing in a bit. But yeah, I think we have enough young players here. Where I think where CJ is Dame's generation, and so we're talking about having the next generation coming up and kind of getting prepared behind them where they are bench units now and some more of the future that we can count on. But, yeah, I, I think Siege's injury sucks, but we get to see you guys more, develop more where Nurk's injury, that just kind of changes what we can do this season. Does that does that make sense as far as a differentiation? Oh, like definitely. how it kind of affects the team? Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I guess if you're saying that the, I mean, CJ is, is a very impactful injury and I think he'll co it'll cost us um, some W's, possibly. I think the team is good enough to win to win enough games to get into the playoffs this year, as is, and I hope they don't make any big oh, yeah. trades, as you guys are alluding to. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I don't think. No, no, I, no. I think we both mentioned it. No, no, no. I, I don't mean you guys trade. were saying that. I just meant like in yeah. the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to be pissed off when they start getting minutes taken away, like all of a sudden, like when he comes back? Hood, Trent, Simons, Mello. like Mello? Like, hey, like, <laughs> what's going to happen with that going forward is kind of like where I'm at. Like, all of a sudden, like these guys are playing good. So, like, what happens with the minute rotation here, like this season? I mean, yeah, because that could be really frustrating. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, everybody gets to be fresh. How about that? That's true. And Trent is not consistent. Anthony is not consistent. There's going to be nights where they're not there. Anthony is not consistent. Right? Oh, so frustrating. So if you can find... They all can get hot enough to put up good numbers and play really hot for you. If you can, I think it's a good problem to have. It's, it's a good problem to have, but I think the, the problem is who's getting which... Uh, like the lion's share here and and I, I know Chad something you and I have kind of gone back and forth on before and we're kind of like beating around right now is the mellow thing uh, we just saw Nas uh, Nasir Little put up 30 points uh, what else was it I think I think like don't remember his other the I think like six system, rebounds and like and then maybe two blocks like or three blocks something like that but, but just career-high game after hardly playing any minutes all season so far. Yeah. Uh, and we saw some great, fiery... Uh, well, he hasn't played <laughs> all minutes between... all season so far for a reason. It's not just mellow. Well, part of the reason... No, it's not just mellow, but part of the reason COVID has been and lost depth. 20 We've pounds. Had, yeah, he, he's Come had on. other issues going on. He couldn't I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's just mellow, but, <laughs> but we talked... Look, on the last pod we did put out, we argued about... Mellow's minutes versus giving those minutes towards players that are younger and that are going to be here on the team in the future. People like Gary Trent that need to develop. Uh, Anthony Simon as well. Since that is, since we had that pod nearly a month ago, we've seen Gary Trent, Anthony Simons, and Nas all get more minutes. And, and I'm not saying it's winning games for us now, but we're seeing stuff that this will be good for the team in the future more than Mellow playing how, how Mellow could play. And that's the other side of it is that even if right now we are getting like, you know, Hall of Famer, hoodie, mellow type production, 
and that would help the team win. We're not. We're not getting that. It might help the team win, but at this point, we are getting, I think over the last five games, he's averaged 10 points a game. He's shooting like 27% from the field, 12% from three. Ugh. It's not good at all. I don't yeah, force so in shots, too. I just he's don't think like 12, it's, it's a horrible player to have on the roster. I just don't think he's it's not a, a, He's not bad to have on the roster. I'm just saying his, his benefits on the roster are in the locker room and on the bench, not trying think to be a dude who's running minutes. the offense and getting his... Yeah, I don't think it's 15 minutes cost us as much as you you think it does. I just, it's starting I, to, I, I feel like, because he I mean, is starting to force Trent has nights like. where he goes 1-7, to seven, right? But he has bad nights, He too. puts more effort in on the defensive end. Like, all of a sudden, like, when he's not scoring, like, you can they're still not even, see him They're not infecting. the same position, though. True. But I just see it's him, like, diving more, just kind of maybe hustling more. That's what your argument more. is, always, is that you think Trent no, needs more minutes or Simons needs more minutes, and they don't play the same position. You can't take those it's minutes It's not about the position, though, If because if you're playing small ball minutes, that like Melo can be a 5-4 or 3, depending on how you're judging the rest of the lineup. Gary Trent can be a 2 or 3. Uh, Anthony Simons can be a 1 or 2 or 3. Melo can probably play a 4 better than Kuroko can if you're playing a small ball lineup. <laughs> we can get into that for sure on, on another like the, I mean numbers, we did that in the beginning neither of one season. of them is performing well this year but both Melo and Rocco are performing horribly underneath their averages this season on, on the offensive end I wouldn't years. say I don't think Rocco has been bad on the defensive end horribly no I, defensively he's he's been doing alright uh, but health wise you know we could do a little better from him as well like like we've said well you got a random uh, elbow <laughs> into the back of the head okay but <laughs> yeah that's okay but help. like I mean like with Melo what happens when he stops becoming a priority for the offense for him? Like, then, like, for him, like, being, like, a solid four, like, all of a sudden, like, let's say, like, he's not getting shots anymore. What does he do on the defensive end? Like, now, like, does he try more or does he try less all of a sudden? That's what I kind of say. Like, all of a sudden, like, when he becomes not, like, a main priority, what happens with him and his mindset? I mean, how many more shots I, I do think... you guys want? Who? These guys are all, all these guys you guys are talking about are getting a lot of shots. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's again, his last five games. Shots that he's doing every once in a while. Like I can tell. Like when he's gonna force something, I'm like, oh, like he has the ball, and like I think like right. within two dribbles, I can tell that he's gonna drive or pull up. Sometimes, or sometimes he actually dishes it, which I don't always know what he's gonna do. But with Melo, I can almost ninety percent of the time project what he's gonna do. And for me, as a fan, being able to do that, what do you think these teams are able to do? Like when they see him. I mean, With it's the same thing that happens when Dame wants to get one off from the logo and everyone starts guarding him at the half-court line. He, just, he forces it up anyway. I mean, okay. they all make so, these look, things. Like, I think that his mentality and his IQ is going to be better for those guys. I don't know that his minutes or the minutes that those guys play this year, the three extra minutes that will be spread around to all of the people to make up his minutes is going to make a difference as far as their progression. No, yeah. No, you're right. I it's, agree. It's not that I want him. I I, I don't. It's, I don't think it costs us anything. And you, I, it seems like you think it's it costs less us a him. lot. I okay. So I do think he needs less minutes, and I think he needs less shots. I, I think, I think the less minutes thing is the simple way of putting he needs less shots and less of a focus in the offense. Again, if we talk about the last five games, the last two he's only had eight and seven. Before that, he had fourteen shots, twenty-one and fifteen, compared to Gary Trent Jr. in those games, ten shots. 17 to 16. You shouldn't have Gary Trent taking less shots than Melo, especially when, when Melo is shooting at like career lows, essentially. And, and he's not going to be on the team in the future. We need this for development. Right now, we need this for, like, I can see why go. him taking shots. He's forcing stuff, obviously, like with no CJ. But 
when CJ was here, he was still in that 12, 14 range shot, which was for me a little bit like, uh, now I can, all right, whatever, you can get your shots. But it's when CJ was going and then Dane was going and then Nurk was going, it was him still getting 12, 13 shots or stopping the offense like, or like for like his ISOs, which was a little more frustrating. I think that he can take pressure off a of Dame. And I think he can still get it done at a high level when the game matters. I hope so. I don't know that that's going to matter this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But at, at this point. And, that's, and that's the thing is that, like, what is he teaching him everywhere else along the stages? Like, is he te- what is he teaching Gary and Anthony about having bad games and bouncing back? That's like, true. is that there's a value in that? Oh, big time. Big time. Like, keep shooting. Like, Gary doesn't have a problem missing seven shots in a row. That's fine. I, I appreciate that, and I'm, I'm happy to see it. But he can give those lessons without being on the floor. Anthony, well, he is getting those lessons. He was getting those lessons anyway. He just wasn't giving them every night because it would go to Anthony one night and go to Gary one night and go to, you know, that's how he was spreading out the minutes. So, Mello had some nights where he didn't have the full amount of minutes, though, right? Yeah. No, like, I, yeah. Because there's been nights where he's only played, like, 17 minutes. So there's been nights where, like, he's been on the bench on the fourth quarter of, like, a close game. And they went with Trent because he was hotter than Anthony. So And then, and then like, he's been fine. So, no. I mean, like, his IQ and, and like, star power is all huge for this team. I definitely agree. That is a big, like, part of this team. And he's been better than Rodney Hood. He's been way better than Rodney Hood. Yeah, Rodney's, Rodney Hood has had some problems as well. And, and you, again, uh, I've been talking about these last five games. The last two games, he, his minutes have been cut in half, and the shot's been about half as well from what I was complaining about. So maybe a change has been made. Maybe something is happening here. Uh, I haven't really watched too closely so I think far that's just the Terry, quarter. the way Terry's going to keep people fresh. Honestly, I think he's going to play people like that. He's going to play you a good solid minutes, give you a good feel, and then he's going to give you a couple nights where you're playing a little bit less minutes. Especially if you're not if you're not feeling good, and depending upon how the game flow goes and the lineups that he Wait. wants to play, I think Hood's had a couple good games. I know that he hasn't been amazing. Hood's been that kind of character since he's come here, though. He is different kind of character, right? He wants to fit in more than he wants to show off. Right. And I think he's he always got more than what he's shown us. And he's whenever he started, he started showing it and got hurt. And it's, I thought he could jump back into it, but it seems like he's just, like, it, it took CJ going down, right? And then he kind of had a good game or two where he, because he got more minutes and he got, he just started taking shots. Well, yeah, they, they all, they all do better when they have a little bit bigger role. And I, again, if I think that's kind of what I'm talking about with some of this, where I, I want a bigger role to go to some of these guys that are going to be here for the future and be here that, you know, that will help the Blazers in the long run. I'm not saying Melo can't help us, but I just don't know if all of his role is taking jumpers or having the ball to, to run the office off the bench. Uh, another question, though, that has come up that I want to ask you guys about. There's been a lot of criticism of Terry Stotts recently. Uh, we've had the defensive woes kind of continue through the season. Uh, you can talk, We can talk about the defense, like how much of that is on the coaching, like Stotts uh, implementing the right things and holding his players accountable versus how much is on the players themselves actually getting out there and hustling. As far as the players go, you've got a lot of injuries, a lot of reasons that, okay, yeah, like when lineups change, uh, it's hard for them to, the, the defensive chemistry isn't going to be there. Uh, as far as the coaching goes, Stata, again, with the change in the lineups are going to force him to, 
change how he can how he can uh, set up defenses. He's never been a defensive coach, uh, but there's been a lot of talk about why haven't adjustments been made, why haven't certain things been kind of addressed. He had an amazing exchange between uh, he and Dwight James after the game against the Bucks last night. Uh, <laughs> just the cattiness between the two of them about Dwight James being kind of the older curmudgeonly uh, analyst who's not really wanting to maybe obey certain politeness or etiquettes. He wants to just ask these questions uh, and get his job done. Meanwhile, Stotts has had a rough night leading like a horrendous game to the Bucks, where we were down by as much as 39. We give like 79 points in the first freaking half, was it? Yeah, 79 in the first half. Uh, so Stotts wasn't happy, and and he just he was just picking apart Dwight's uh, word choices as far as like saying Melo was having a massive slump. Well, I don't know if you'd call it massive, uh, saying that uh, Nasir came off the bench. Well, he actually started the last two games. Like, well, yeah, he still come off the bench. Dwight said he came off your bench, which I think is going to be. I want to use that like out of context, just like whenever someone says something and I don't have a response. Well, he came off your bench, and I'm going to laugh, and no one else is going to get it. <laughs> but it would be fun. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, what was I it in just, reference I, to? Because I didn't watch the game. I apologize. No, it's fine. It was not much of a game to watch. Uh, I saw the outcome. Dwight was, uh, co- coincidentally, Dwight was talking about Melo's minutes versus giving them to someone like Nasir because Nasir had a 30-point career game. Uh, so he was saying when Nasir has a night like that and Melo is in a massive, what Dwight called a massive shooting slump, why uh, are you going to continue to give Melo minutes or are you going to give them to Nasir? And... Stotts wasn't having it. Stotts was in, uh, he was in Camp Chad Helm over here where uh, he was saying he's not willing to talk about, you know, he said that Carmelo has earned uh, time to get through a shooting slump because of who he is. And, and fair enough, man, I get that too. Uh, there, there was a lot of good points there and, and I wasn't trying to bring this back to that conversation, Chad, I promise. Uh, but more just about the, the coaching thing. There's been a lot of criticism about should Stotts be the coach? He's been here nine years. We haven't had enough success. Again, we can argue that. Western Conference Finals, uh, semifinals a couple of times as well. Sure, we've had a number of like first-round losses, but... Homers would th- say that we've had enough talent to make it further than we've made it. We have had enough talent to make it further. We've also had enough injuries to probably hold us back more than we've... Uh, then we've been held back. So he might have negotiated some of these injury situations a little bit better than other coaches would have maybe handled the entire roster better. I think that's a fair point. Uh, you I don't know, know if I, that's I, true. I I'm asking. A... That's a question. I'm sorry. Question mark at the end oh. of that. <laughs> no, I, I do think. I, I think that as far as... Uh, I think what he's done with his roster, I don't think can be seen as that bad. His winning, his record, uh, he, he's the most winning Blazers coach we've had, I, I think. is uh, oh God, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there's a stat, something like that. Don't quote me on that. I think Jack Brandy's ahead of him, right? Probably. Okay, fine. I'm sure. I'm sure I, I don't know too. that that's what we want to use as a tell-all sign, because that could just be longevity. Also, it's also talent around you. That's you know, true. it's the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick <laughs> argument. Definitely. Like, it does take one to have the other, or if we wanted to say in basketball, it's Michael Jordan or Phil Jackson that made them the team that they are. I think that it had a, to do with both of those situations. I agree. And I don't know that he, another coach, like, what is it? I don't, I just don't know how much we, we give Dame control or don't give Dame control, and I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent. I don't, 
really have a lot. I don't like how he allocated minutes in the past, and that's been my biggest thing on him. I don't feel like he's followed the hot hand, uh, like we mentioned earlier. Um, and I feel like he's doing that more this year, so I kind of was enjoying some of that. No, well, and, and again, he definitely oh, ahead, had Ty. never followed the hot hand. Like, yeah, that's one thing I agree. Like, all of a sudden, like you're like, wait, this guy's had three good games. Like, why are you not playing him tonight, or why is he not being a focus, or why are you not getting him shots? It's so frustrating. And like, because for him, it seems like he's just doing what he does, and it and it went works, and and like he's not gonna overreact to to one dude having a good game he's gonna use his game plan which it works out and for me like i'm usually always team stats but this year it has been a little bit like all right dude like what are you doing there like on that defensive end like usually like i'm fine with that but this is starting to seem like scheme wise like all of a sudden you can't stop three-point shot and then all of a sudden like you scheme that but all of a sudden like then all of a sudden like you can't stop like the penetration or fast breaks like just little stuff which it goes back to the players as well but it is starting to get to that nine year ten year point where you're like all right like what is gonna be for the Blazers future like do they need a fresh face to come in here and maybe change things up or is he the right guy I think he probably is the right guy going forward because he still has all the players trust and respect and I think like Lillard really wants him here and I think that's important okay let me uh jump in here real quick with some stats you you guys made me research this so i had to come up with <laughs> blazers have had 14 coaches over their entire uh, uh franchise hmm. of coaches that have won or of coaches that have coached 400 games or more so that would be five seasons if they've coached five seasons or more right that is going to be a list of jack ramsey rick adelman I'm sorry, let's, let's go 300. Let's make it a bigger margin. Jack Ramsey, Rick Adelman, Maurice Cheeks, Nate McMillan, and Terry Stotts. What's it Terry at right now? Terry is at a 55.6 win percentage. No, how many games? Uh, 648. So Terry has coached 648. Nate, Nate, Nate McMillan has coached 535. Maurice Cheeks, 301. Jack Ramsey, 820. Uh, and Rick Adelman, 445. So... Ramsey has coached the most. Terry Stotts is the second most uh, as far as number of games coached. Of winning percentage, Terry Stotts at 55.6. That is ahead of Jack Ramsey at 55.2. Everyone else is below that except for uh, Rick Adelman had 65.4. So Rick Adelman is the most winning coach for the Blazers who, who coached more than, let's say, four seasons, like that 300-game mark. He took uh, us to finals. Yes. Outside of Rick Adelman... Terry Stotts has won more games than any of the Blazers coaches who have been here for like four seasons-ish. Uh, it's Jack Ramsey was here for longer, uh, 820 games to, to 640 for Stotts, but the win percentage is about the same. Stotts has just passed him. If the Blazers continue to do well with, with Lillard, the franchise's best player, uh, he's probably going to continue to you know kind of widen that gap. Uh, but so at, the, at least right now, we got to say Stotts is on the Jack Ramsey level of coaching production. He is. But will that save his job for next year or going <laughs> forward if the Blazers that continue the to give up terrible points or all of a sudden they don't make the playoffs this year or whatever. And yes, like before, I mean, they, or because it is such a weird year, I don't know how much stock they'll put into him and go, you know what, let's give him like, or, or let's give him like the benefit of the doubt. But I don't know. Outside of okay, minutes, so. outside of allocation of minutes, who starts and who doesn't? 
When it comes to offensive strategy or defensive strategy, when you watch a game, what does Terry Stotts do? I have no sub. He subs. As a coach, <laughs> Terry Stotts. I don't no, see no, no, offensive plays so well. get ran I, very well. Like I see fairly basic. They say he's an offensive genius, but I feel like it's just because he lets the players do whatever they want. He draws up it's, plays it's, right on the on the inbounds. Yeah. No, he he doesn't. Uh, so again, it's. Obviously, coaching, like, none of us are NBA coaches, yada, nope. yada, yada. Yes, he has problems on the defensive end. We've all agreed with that. Honestly, one of his other issues has been substitutions and, and mixing up his lineups uh, as far as, like, oh, you know, as the need of the game. But what he has done well is offensively, he is one of the best coaches around in the NBA at getting offensive players, offensive stars open for what they do best. I feel like Dame and CJ do a lot of work to get open. Yeah, I feel like they are all. They would be doing that no matter who. If no was coaches yeah. out there, they've been so, doing this. So if what if, they're doing, they've been way. doing their whole life to get so open. So if if Dame or CJ are out there on the court doing their thing, what is keeping other defenders from doubling them? What is keeping other defenders like it's the other four, the other three or four players on the court? What you're having them do to to, to kind of keep attention to kind of draw anything away from Dame or CJ and, and give them room to operate is, I think, what makes him valuable, and it's. Obviously, it's super intangible. It's not an easy thing to just say, like, well, he's having them stand in the corner to yeah. draw a defense away. It's not that simple. Uh, but the number of plays, the number of different sets, the, uh, and a lot of this is probably a lot of coaching on the NBA level is probably about practices, trying to get uh, communicating to these players that we need to operate this way. We need to run these kind of sets to get these players open. But you can't have practices. You can't kind of convey a lot of that when you don't have when you, or when you have this weird season going on with all the, yeah. all the injuries yep. and the, or not just injuries, but COVID and the rest of it. Yep. And if we can kind of segue into that, I want to ask you guys, how do we criticize the losses this season? How do we criticize this season in general? Like you said, Ty, it's such a weird one, not just with COVID, but with all the injuries, yeah. not just the C- CJ and Nurk injuries either. We've had Roko and DJ miss time. I think An- uh, Anthony Simons also missed some games, if I'm not... Maybe early on, yeah, right. maybe early on. Uh, and Trent missed a game. He had that calf injury after the Lakers. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, he missed yeah, a couple they, games. Trent missed that game. Uh, Chad, you mentioned that Nas had COVID. Co- like, uh, he missed part of the bubble as well as this season, right? Cantor, I don't think he's missed too many games yet, but he's wincing a lot. And especially with uh, Nurkish being out, I feel like every time I see Cantor kind of go down the floor and like rotate the shoulder or any of that kind of stuff, it makes me so nervous right now. I think that um, guy's going to go through anything. I think he's a tank. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think he's going to play through any of his injuries. Yeah. No, I, I think he will, man. I, I, I think, I think that matters, matters it is. too. Definitely, like, yes, it does. Like <laughs> again, crazy. It's not about hating on Cantor. No, no, no. Uh, no. He's, he, he's doing great yeah. work. I, I didn't know Rocco. There was some stuff with Rocco's health. Yeah, he's had a couple issues, man. Like not just a concussion, but he's had a couple minor injuries. That it's it just it seems to be that just maybe it's just the bad luck of uh, he's trying to take on a bigger role when we have other players out. So then he's overextending himself and having these kind of stress related injuries. Uh, you can also talk again. We mentioned the the lack of practice. So you have a new player coming into a system that he's not familiar with. Cantor has been here before. He's familiar with the system. Right. Roko and DJ are coming in completely unaware of how Stotts runs a defense or doesn't run a defense, <laughs> uh, and that's how that's where these guys are having to put the majority of their focus. Uh, so I could see a lot of uh, a lot of potential there for yeah for injury or for kind of just like breakdown of of conditioning and all that when you don't have the time to to really get it in. Again, so point being, how much criticism can we put on the roster, on Stotts, on the team in general? 
uh, when all this stuff has been going on this year, despite the fact that I think going into the season, a lot of us were looking at this as, you know, maybe the season, like that has been built up to for so long under Olshay, like them talking about building the roster now where we now we, we we were going to have depth on paper we had a solid starting five with a solid backup yep. four or five or six behind it and they got hurt uh and and now we're playing the the backup backup bench players that's what i'm saying i don't know what they do because i don't know like if olshay freaks out and he won't say like no like i wasn't wrong i had the right guys but they got hurt and stocks can say the same thing go no like i had the right guys but but all of a sudden we had COVID or all of a sudden we had no practice time. So I couldn't do what I needed to do to get this team ready. So I think there's enough, like, not like excuses in a way, but I guess that's what you have to say for this to just be reran next year with hoping let's get a full off season with this team and then let's see. But what sucks about that is that's fine, but these guys are getting older or these guys' contracts are about to run out. So we are not wasting a year but like it doesn't stop like these guys' contracts aren't frozen this year like it's all gonna keep moving forward so that's what sucks about it it's like you have to yes you have to take all that stuff into account but you also have the same time to realize these is for the other 29 teams and some of them are figuring it out and some of them are gonna build going forward I don't know what they're gonna do because you can't really just stand still and not do anything because like with Trent, oh, so let's say like he wants like 35 minutes a game or 30 minutes a game, he's not gonna get that here with CJ and Dame. So he might want to move forward and then you have just all this stuff. So I don't know. It could be a really rough offseason for the Blazers, honestly. It could go like 30 different ways. They would answer what Keith wants. I think Melo would be off the team next year, and then we. And he probably will be. He probably will be. Honestly, I mean, Colin. I'm not asking for Melo. Colin will be sorted out, so we'll know what's going on there. So that'll be either a roster spot or he'll be back. What do you think, or guys think, will end up happening? Like, or like, do you think a big trade? Do you think any free agent signings? Do you think they'll fire Stotts? Do you think they'll just try and run it back? Do you think Olshay leaves? Like, what do you guys think will be the result of this year? I'm just—it's just such a weird year for me. Now. I have no idea. Like I said, like there could be 30 different ways this thing goes. I—I I would just be disappointed. That's the only thing I could say. I'd be disappointed if certain people got traded away. I wouldn't be surprised if they did anything. I—I I, I would really, honestly, just don't know if we're gonna win the championship even. If, like, I don't know how long is Nurk out. Does anyone know? I think at least till Nurk March. Nurk and CJ, Nurk and CJ are both set to come back around the same time frame, uh, theoretically, or at least, sorry, shouldn't say come back. They are both set to be reevaluated around the same time frame, early March. Uh, so it's you know it, it it could be back then, it could be back within a week or two from then. I would go uh, a week but or that two still means from then. Yeah, probably. most likely a week or two to a month after that, right? Yeah. So we're dealing with at least we're dealing with at least the next month of without Nurk and CJ, and no and Zach for the rest of the, the year, rest probably. Healthy. Zach is gone. Yeah, yeah he's Zach. gone. I mean, is Zach gone? Gone? I don't is know. Is he gone? Gone? So I, I don't think. I, the, the I mean, not like guys, gone, I, gone, but like I'm just saying, like there's no, like damn. No, I mean, like, he's not under. No they didn't extend his contract him. though. He doesn't have a contract next year, right? I think he was the one that they were like everyone yeah, decided right. it would be best to not extend his contract, and then. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. So it's weird. I mean, or does he just come back on a better deal? You know, or like a Rodney Hood type deal? If no other cheap deal, team is going to offer him money. I mean, do they even know yeah. what's going on with his injury? I thought that that was kind of like a secret team thing, too. Like, nobody really kind of knew. It just, he, like, alluded what, that like it was he, way worse. What, like, he, like, what, like, he, like, broke his ankle, and then he had surgery, and then he had, like, surgery again? Yeah. That can't be good. <laughs> as far as the contracts, Rocco is at 12.9, signed for next year. We have him for one more year. Uh, DJ, I think, was at 9.7 or something like and that? He has a player year. option. 
is a player option. Yep. Uh, and then Zach's, uh, Zach is on a qualifying offer uh, of 7.3. So if no other team signs him, no one offers him anything else, we could have him back for 7.3. And, <laughs> again, that's all taking the risk of, like, will he be healthy? As far as your question, Ty, I, I don't – with with how weird this year has been and with both the injuries and COVID and the game post postponements, uh, I feel like the best thing we can do is really just – try and run it back for one more. I the the big worry about it is I I do feel like going into this season there really was this feel of like this is what we've been building towards. This mm-hmm. is the, you know, Dame is kind of at this point in his career where it's his Dame and CG both are at their prime and their peak. Nurk is a little bit younger where he's coming up but he's getting there still. So hey, maybe this is the good news where Nurk will have one more year of maturity, even if it's not gameplay, he'll have he'll, he'll have watched till have kind of, you know, grown a little as a person. So we have a core of Dame, CJ, Nurk that are really kind of in or entering their prime. We have loaded wings between Mello, Hood, Covington, and or sorry, Rocco and DJ. We've got you know a solid uh, big big man rotation behind Nurk with Cantor and Zach. We, we've got a lot of people on the roster here that could be a great team if healthy. <laughs> but this is just not the year to say that last part. Yep. So I don't know, DJ man. I, I would say run it back. Was that? How's Der- how long has Derek Jones gone? I bet you he'll be back in another game or two. They just keep saying foot sprain. Yeah. But okay, who knows? Yeah, they said foot sprain with CJ. I've not seen him out there, and I was, like, wondering if it turned into something, and I didn't see it in the past couple of days when I've been, like, in a coma from sports. <laughs> no, not yet. It hasn't turned into anything yet, but who knows? I feel like the Blazers can be kind of different with these things like that. Like, they say CJ's x-ray was good, and then two days later, he has a foot fracture. So, But I think at this point now, it's been a, it's been a couple days with DJ. that, And then I think he's been on the bench, too, which I feel like most of these guys, when they have these injuries, they're not on the bench. So he's been on, the, like, the road trip. I think he's there. Has anyone seen the Charles Barkley comment and then the subsequent article that came out? About the effort? Like, just, like, playing, like, they're just playing basketball? Yeah, they're just playing I, like they're, I completely like they're the agree with that. And, and, uh, yeah, his, his comments were spot on. Yeah, did you read the article as well? I, I didn't follow the article. Uh, I didn't get the follow-up. I think up, no. so. Let me read the article. Yeah, so basically just broke it down a little bit further. Like, kind of, because like, I think Charles' comments were like pretty short, right? Like yeah. Five, three, or three to five sentences. And so then he just basically broke it down to like the at like the energy and like how it's kind of always been that way here with Lamarcus and Brandon Roy and everyone always had that kind of laid back. Dame Lillard's have you know Dame Dollar's got it right now. Yeah. That kind of laid back uh, swag that we like, but it's not necessarily like you want some urgency every once in a while, like just to like kind of see it. Like you don't yeah. like want him to freak out. Obviously, like yeah, like because it's a long season, but like every once in a while, like look like you really want it and maybe they do which is hard to say like you know like obviously Dame wants it every time he's on the court but it just yeah it seems like they know like all of a sudden like alright well we have the next night or we have like two weeks we have more games so let's not worry about tonight it's just not our night yeah and we were excited about a game winner that we were up by 20 and almost lost the game like, it shouldn't have even happen yeah so and right. I'm not saying we shouldn't be excited about it it was fun but it was and it was you know and exciting as a fan but I don't know that if I would have just watched the fourth quarter, I'd have been super happy. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough, man. It, it, I don't want to see the team get into these spots where they're down and having to fight back like that. But I, it, it's it's just hard this season. I, I I feel like those comments. I'm not. I totally agree that 
Barkley was on the money as far as what he said with the lack of energy and the lack of hustle. But uh, like we've already talked about on this episode, how I don't think I can really separate that from the injury thing, from the health uh, thing on the team, from the changing rotations on the roster. Uh, The article talks about it being like a cultural thing, though, that we've had for a long time. I mean, I, I do get some of that, but even just the idea of like, I feel like when, when this team's not doing well, yeah, it doesn't look like they're hustling. Maybe the team is a little aware of how it happens, so they kind of maybe give up a little early, which is not a good habit in itself. But when, when they're winning, when the team has had deep runs, I'm not seeing anything about, oh, they're looking too relaxed. Like that shot right there, dangerous hook, was a, not a good shot. You're up by 10. We were, they were making a kind of a run. You shoot it from the logo yeah. early in the shot clock. That's not the kind of shot that I think is a good three-point shot. So that, that's that's a four. But that's about basketball IQ, though. That's about like you know, let's not take an easy shot that's comfortable for you. Let's do something that sets up the team for the most efficient production. Like yeah, that, that's about. Like, he thinks if he makes it, he like puts it away. Yeah, and it's the second quarter. That's how they play like a lot. Like they do it a lot. Like all of a sudden, like they're up twenty-five, and they're like, "All right, cool." Like they're not gonna come back from that. And it's like, yeah. no, like no, like you know, like uh, like a team like the Wizards like might actually want to win the game. So yeah, you can't give up. Like you actually have to keep playing. So sometimes I wish that they don't get a lead early. Like I hope they get a lead like in the third, fourth quarter. But I think right. it showed with the Bulls. <laughs> like we actually did that, and then we blew the game. It's just, ugh. I mean, he just follows it up with a, like a lazy pass right there, and I'm not, I'm not putting this all on Dame. I just think it, when you take shots like that, it leads to everyone else taking dribble-up shots because Gary did it a lot. We, right. That's how we yeah. lost the 20-point lead was everybody was dribbling across half court until they got to their spot and then jacked it up. But it just and it's stalls the same the thing offense. you're seeing right now. It stalls the offense totally. And then the defense goes to... Yeah. Well, I mean, like what you're saying, like he's taking that shot like no matter what. Like if we're down 30... Or, like, up 30, he's pulling a logo shot, which I can see in Barkley. Like, they're just playing basketball. Like, it doesn't really matter what the score is. They're going to continue to shoot their shots where they want, and who matters the score is is what they look like sometimes. Is that why they like Terry Stotts? I he think. let them do that? Yeah, and another player just be, coach. like, slapping them in the face, being like, guys, not high IQ shots, not good. I, I don't know. He's never really seemed to be, like, a super analytical coach. But he wants to get as many three-point shots up as possible. And he wants the team to shoot as much as possible. But what's weird is something I saw, like, on Twitter the other day. Like, CJ McCollum has been live-tweeting games. And I think it was Covington (laughs) or Melo. He threw, like, a bounce pass into the post. And then CJ tweeted, oh, like, Stotts hates bounce passes in the post. Like, I bet he's hot. We see bounce passes into the post from them every single game. Well, if Stotts Dude. hates them and he's hot, how is that not just Ixnade out of this already? Yeah. And that's what I, he I, tweeted. I gotta, so obviously, like, he knows I, that's a thing. But the fact that they don't either fear that Stotts will, like, stop that or he won't take it out of him because they like it. And he might just go, hey, guys, like, it's not good. But you guys keep doing it, like, if you want to because that's what you guys want to do. I don't want to stop you as the coach, but let's not bounce past yeah, the pose. Look, you, again, we talked about earlier quotes from uh, after the Milwaukee game last night. He had some line about um, holding players accountable that we talked about on the no-show today. Hey! And it was, uh, like, he said... It's more coaching Accountabil- teaching or whatever. It, like, yeah, he, he said it, it's a catchphrase. Accountability is a catchphrase. It's more about coaching and teaching. Exactly, Ty. Uh, like, that. that's... That's garbage, man. And like the, the idea, but again, like like what you're saying, as far as what kind of coach he is, maybe there is some sort of window of insight with this. It's, it's maybe this is some sort of window in as far as the insight into like, 
he's not holding players accountable, so that means he's not maybe driving the players in a certain direction as much as he's trying to allow them to do a certain thing. Boy, that sounds really just kind of like loose and uh, I, I don't know, man. But, but there's no again, way he's been able to do that for nine years. Like obviously he has right. He has this a guy structure came from the, and he helped coach Rick Carlisle's uh, Mavericks to. Uh, the championship, man. They, like he was largely credited with the offense that Dirk Nowitzki and the rest of them ran, uh, and it's he's not he's not a nobody Which coach. And again, maybe, we talked about even the, the winning record he's had in Portland. That. He's he's he has the most winning record behind uh, anyone I think it was since Adelman, and uh, the largest coaching uh, uh, street or uh, the largest coaching history since uh, Ramsey, man. I, I don't know. That's probably the wrong stats if I say that out loud. Uh, I'll check that later and maybe cut it out, but. Yeah, he's he's not a nobody as far as a coach, but it definitely does seem like he's not someone who's just doing this by analytics on his base. Because a lot of us fans that are looking at the numbers, it, it's not adding up. I'm I'm with you on that. It's, but I don't know. I'm I'm not in the camp that I don't want Stotts gone. I just want a defensive coach in here next to him. I'm not ready to say that's a thing about the coaching problem just because players throw it now and then and because CJ called it out in like again in his Magic Johnson type criticism <laughs> on, on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, it was just super basic, and I. I, I mean, I didn't read like a lot of them because I don't. You know, I don't tweet, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know that you can not read into all of it either. Like, there is something, some either inside joke or some sort of thing. Maybe Terry loves in bounce passes and they're not doing yeah, them enough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's there's I mean, something. For his to it. seat has to be somewhat warm. I feel like because all of a sudden now, like because we got that Jason Quick article, and he's never really written or, or like written like an article that's kind of seem like Terry Stotts is uh like seat's been a little warm like he was kind of like calling out Terry like for a new like I mean in a way like and I haven't really seen anybody like like write that about Terry which was a kind of like eye-opening for me like to see now these media guys not like turning on him but now like starting to question him because he has nine good seasons here and he's has a reputation that he's built and he's done it and he has earned all of his respect and stuff but now I think he's getting to a point now it's like all right man you have some questions that you need to answer about this team that you can't just hide anymore. Like about like we're playing Pat Connington and Jake Lehman on the roster anymore. Like you have players and stuff like you need to start. I don't know, like being accountable a little bit now, like we're starting to get there. And that's why like, I really like that Jason quick article. Cause it seemed like he was kind of calling out stats. I think he's so the hot the seat at the here? end of the like, season, right? He's at the, he's not, he's not in mid season hot seat. No, but I feel like he has to start feeling a little bit of warmth. Like, all right, bro, like we might talk about your contract at the end of the year. Before it's before it was like, nah, he's like he's going to be here for the next three years. Now I think this could start maybe becoming a thing where he now starts becoming the coach that these guys talk about on Sports Center and stuff. When these, I don't know, but that's not how Portland media or the front office has really worked by leaking stories or anything like that before. But I feel like he could all of a sudden become that name and like those. I don't know, like that little coaching carousel you hear if they don't start winning and doing stuff. But what do I know? <laughs> as much as any of us. No. Uh, what, what's what's the answer here, though, as far as, like, are we saying that the team should be looking at other coaching options, and if so, who would you put in? Or is this more of a thing, like, where it's I, – I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much of this uh, – I we've talked about the injuries we've talked about the overall health uh and just kind of the they finally yes they have a roster that looks good on paper if everyone is healthy for it and so if if that roster is still failing then the obvious scapegoat is always the coach 
is that what we're going with this? Is that are we are we just saying like Stotts has to be kind of like sacrificed to the lack of success in Portland, despite that he is again one of the winningest coaches Portland has had. Is this team going to be in playoff contention come March when we get back? In, yes. When we get back those players. I don't know because yeah, the Western it, Conference is just a mother effer. Hold up. Even with the injuries right now, even with the current injuries, Portland is in playoff contention. We are still, I think, right, right. now a top four team. And I'm not just saying it should be given a pass. We need to make some changes, whether it's bringing in a defensive coach, whether it's uh, making roster adjustments to have more kind of like balance in some way or another. But, yeah, this roster is looking good. I just don't see this as a thing where with all the variables that have been thrown into a roster, I don't think we can judge this. I don't think we can judge Stotts' coaching this season with an awesome roster that was like ready to go when the roster has been this riddled with holes as far as the actual health and, and like, you know, night to night lineups. I could be wrong. It's about, what are you, are you doing that Ty? Or are you taking into consideration the last several years? I'm just kind of taking in like the last several years and I'm kind of anticipating nothing going to happen. I'm just kind of like saying whatever's top of my head about Stotts, but like I'm anticipating him being back next year and them not making any changes and them using this year and everything that's happened for why he is coming back. I don't think Olshay will make any moves about it, so I expect him to be back next year, no matter what happens this year. And then if we fail out somewhere before the Western Conference Finals after next year? Then I think that's a consideration, because then I think if stuff's normal next year, if you have like actually like a full offseason, and they can actually, even that, like just getting practice time in, like a full three, four months with a team. And then I think it came in question because then it's his 10th, 11th year. And then at that point, like, I think it, I mean, yes, you can keep winning, but at some point you have to get over the hump. And I think at 11 years, you can rightfully let a guy walk out the door and still go. It's not, you didn't do anything bad. I mean, you were good, but at some point we want to try something new here. And after 11 years, he would probably, I mean, at some point you have to accept that, I would think, but I I don't think there's something about a new face, a new voice, even if it's, you know, there's got to be something to that. You would think, but it seems like Lillard really likes Stotts, obviously. So I think as long as Lillard wants Stotts and they want Damian Lillard, Stotts will be here. So, that, yeah, that's probably still the trigger it comes down to, really, if we're talking about this. In, until Lillard says something negative about Stotts' coaching or, or shows any sign of not being confident in his ability to coach the team. I don't know if there's going to be much of a change. Uh, but we, we were talking about next season, uh, at least how you mentioned right there. What is kind of the mark? If, if next season is regular, if, if we have a, a healthy roster, let's say, <laughs> kind of almost a joke that we are actually past COVID, I'm not going to be the case. But uh, if we have a regular season of basketball next year, what is your mark for success with Stotts? Like if he was an eighth if he's below a sixth seed is that does that mean that we should be finding a new coach if he obviously didn't make the playoffs is that a different question like, like I, I hope you're considering who else is out there like what are there yeah, like is there a coach you're looking for that you think would come in that's going to do a better job i don't know on that part yeah that's definitely true you can always say fire the coach but who do you have suggestion uh i would say them not i would say second round I think you'd have to get to the Western Conference Finals, maybe, but I, I think that's if that's, you're that's a normal. That's the bar for fire the coach. I think so. For that, this point, I think for him, what he's now been here long enough, and he's 
been around like i think maybe like if it's a second year in no but i think at that point if it's his 11th year that's where i'm just kind of looking okay, at yeah, stuff. yeah but i even like think 11th that, year in healthy roster yeah and i i think he could maybe talk himself back into it on a second round finish if they got hurt or if it was a good series and it just one ball didn't bounce their way or whatever i don't know but i would think he would have to get past that first round of playoffs to come back So, so yeah, we're facing the Wizards at uh, halftime right now as you, as we record this. Uh, obviously, the uh, from all of you listening right now, you're going to have seen the beautiful win that we witnessed at the end. <laughs> but uh, just just for the halftime kind of you know in the moment uh, feel, Chad, where are we at? Where are these stats? Who's oh. who's leading the Blazers right now? Well, well, Gary Trent is leading the Blazers with 17 points. Nice, nice, I like it. Behind him is Carmelo Anthony showing up just for you. <laughs> Ah, damn it! <laughs> of course he is. And then we got some other. What's, okay, uh, no, give me, five, give though, me. It's nine, ten, eleven, nine, seventeen. So they're they're showing up. Who's the good. only one okay. that's really shooting under under performance? Give me a uh, give me Melo's shooting splits right now. Like, what's he out in the from the field and from deep? Five and nine, oh, from two, over oh for two. Five and nine from the field, no yep. for two. Okay, four for that's four it, from the right. line with two offensive boards, one defensive board. Okay, you know what? I can't hate on Melo for that. Uh, that's, he's, shooting over, he's shooting over 50%. That's much better than the 25% that he's shooting from the last five games. Uh, Your boy Gary, 4-6 right from three-point okay. line for uh, 17. 4-6 from deep. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And then 1-5 from inside that. You can imagine that. I'm not hearing any mention of Dame Dollar yet. Oh, he had a, he had a pretty oh quiet first half. 0-6 oh from behind the arc. Oof, that's Two rough. 2-10 from the field. Start. Because he was shooting those high percentage shots that we were talking about. <laughs> well, hey, it's gonna look great when uh when he when we win the game at the end. They're like, oh, we won despite Dame going zero for six in the first half. That's awesome. Roko That's though is good. having a game with three for he's three for three from behind the arc for his nine. Points. There we go. Roko finally finding a shooting stroke. That's yeah. good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. So Blazers leading 75-63 at the half. This is good news. I'll, I'll take that a 12-point lead. That's better than having to fight back. From the, I don't uh, like them giving you know, up like, forty in the second quarter. After they scored Oof. 40 in the first quarter. Yeah, we scored. Yeah, so it's almost just bouncing out. That's what, that's what our, our offense bounces with the lack of defense, guys. We are, I think, second our second second worst defense in the league right now, only to who? Uh, the Timberwolves. To the Brooklyn Nets, I thought. Oh, was it Timberwolves now? Yeah, I thought it was going to be Brooklyn Nets, okay. too. Yeah, it's the Timberwolves. So somehow we're worse than the Nets. But I think if the updated stats at the end of the week, I think the Nets probably passed. Yeah, the the Nets will the Nets will screw that up again, no problem. They they they've been there, they've been at the bottom all week. So, uh, yeah, well, you know, let's if we could just get that defense up to mid range, man. Just get us around like fifteen. I'll take eighteen. Get us like seven, eighteen or seventeenth best defense. Let's see if they can get uh, to twenty six first, twenty fifth. <laughs> what do you guys think <laughs> okay. it's gonna take? One step at a time. Like, what is is there a defensive scheme that needs to change? Is there a defensive? Yes, scheme? I have no idea. I watched yes, it's a, it's I have a defensive three scheme. favorite teams, the Seahawks, the Beavers, and Blazers, and they all suck at defense. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so all my favorite teams, it, it, it can be football, basketball, it doesn't matter. My team, my favorite teams suck at well, defense. It's, so. Maybe it's like you guys said then. Maybe it's some sort of Northwestern thing. We're, we're just too chill up here. We're too well, relaxed Seahawks and, and laid back to play defense. For a lot of years, and they're working they, it out. They might, they're they're going to have a good defense next year. But exactly. I agree. I agree. And it, and it figured itself out halfway through the year, but that beginning of the year was poof. I guess 
we are we, we talk about switches on screens because that's such a, a screeny league and, and we're fighting over the top of screens and I don't think we fight over anything I think we just gladly switch into bad positions and, and team can come in and say we want to put X player on X on Y player and we will just gladly give it to them if they figure out a way to get that screen set. Am I mi missing something or do you guys would agree with that? I agree with that. I would agree that I would agree that uh, especially Damon CJ, but our guards die too much on screens. Uh, they just give up completely too easily. And I do think that again, like we said earlier, this is kind of it. part of this is a roster situation. You have Ideally, you would have players that would make up for Damon CJ dying on screens. You'd have players like Nurkic in the middle, and you'd have uh, Roko and DJ both healthy. Instead, we've had less and less games where both DJ and Roko are, are healthy wing defenders. We've had <laughs> no more games of Nurk being healthy for a little while uh, coming out. And it's, you know, it, it honestly is the kind of thing where this season, it's, it's crazy how our expectations have gone from this could be the season of Dame's career to now being like, you know what? In my opinion, at least, we should be developing guys. We should be looking at the deep bench and yeah. trying to build up our our, uh, our back end. Uh, okay, but and I would look. agree with that because maybe we just need to wait for LeBron to retire. <laughs> there you go. Maybe it's like it's it's just stretching this out, stretching the window out a little bit more. Uh, quick takes on the NBA's plans for the All Star Game. They have talked about despite COVID, despite numbers surging up, despite games getting postponed left and right, despite dozens of players being out uh, in the NBA from COVID and contact tracing. Not just contact tracing, but actually having positive cases as well. The NBA has announced that... Oh, here, sorry, I, put, I forgot one biggest despite. Despite Seku Smith dying, uh, rest in peace rest to him. Peace. The, this dude... Reading uh, his this blogs guy, all the time. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, like, he was a huge voice and, and a huge smile for uh, NBA basketball. And so, so to see him die... I think he was 44 or 48. 48. He was not an old man. No. 48. He did have, it sounds like, a precondition or pre-existing condition like diabetes uh, that makes you more uh, uh, susceptible to, to problems with COVID. It was too much. Obviously, it, it took him down. It's a horrible loss for all of us in the basketball world. Yep. Uh, but all this aside, despite all this happening, uh, and Seku Smith being an Atlanta native, I believe, yeah. The the NBA has announced that they want to hold an All Star game in Atlanta uh, this year, and they want to not only hold an All Star game without fans or anything, you know, an event that is for fans or for money. Uh, they've announced not only they want to have the All Star game, but they want to have a three point contest and a dunk contest. Like they they've basically doubled down after people criticized them for it for wanting to have an All Star game in general. Uh, this hits me in all the wrong ways. I am not happy with this. I have criticized the all-star games in the past and i like even debated on like whether they should be whether i want to spend time watching them i won't be watching this at all if it actually happens if i really hope it doesn't i don't know where you guys stand but please feel free to tell me i'm wrong uh tell me that if, if you're looking forward to the all-star game say no. so but uh, no, no, where, no. where are you standing i mean like i definitely can get it in a way like they're playing so like maybe these guys are going to see each other anyway like they will play but it seems dumb. Like, what everything you're going on with the year, just cancel it. It's not an important thing. It's not something these players really put much stock into. Yeah, everything that's going on this year, just give these guys a break. Try and figure out your testing a little bit better. Try and figure out how else maybe we can get the second half of the season better. Just let these guys have a break for a second. Uh, it just seems dumb to me. I'm all for a break. I think if you cancel the game for COVID reasons, they should be canceling all the games. That's my quick take.
Now that's a great point, dude. No, for real. Okay, look, we won't hold you guys here forever on this because I know it's supposed to be a rapid topic. We'll talk about that in the future. But yeah, that's a legit point. If we're saying that the NBA shouldn't be having an All-Star game because of all the COVID-related stuff going on, then why are we playing other games in general? Uh... Yeah. That's a definite question to have. There's been a lot of postponements. We can get into those kind of COVID numbers another time. In fact, the canceled pod, the, not canceled, the pod that didn't make it, uh, that we had with Cassidy, Gemmit, and Varun Bose, shout out to both of them. Hey, hey! We talked a lot on that episode about COVID and kind of the, the relation that I was having with postponed games and what the league was doing. Because that was right around when the Blazers had to miss two games against the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies missed five games in a row. And the Wizards couldn't play games for like two weeks. Uh, there was a whole lot going on, and obviously we've seen a little more control on it since then, but uh, yeah, this is a topic uh, that we will definitely dive back into. For tonight, though, listeners out there, thank you all for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Uh, obviously, we were off uh, off air longer than we planned on being, but we're going to be back, back. here. We're going to try and do... We're back! <laughs> we're back again! See you next week. Guess who's back? And we'll be back every week. We'll be I'm making this a regular thing now. Uh, guess or no guess. Obviously, uh, Ty and Chad, we can throw the around. Uh, and it's always it's always fun with the party. It's always fun to have a group of people here and all the wonderful friends we have. But uh, yeah, we will we will get shows going. It's good to have pods, man. It's good to get here and talk with both of you and just talk some basketball and, and get our minds off of all this crazy bullshit going on. So thank you both. Thank you, listeners. Find Ty at Ty Delbridge on Twitter. Find Chad at nothing. He's Twitterless Chad. He's not on there at all. You can find me at Rip City Keith. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Ty and Chad, as always. Thank you to Odar for these fat beats. Uh, and thank you to listeners for a great listen. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rips, your basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. Peace, love, and happiness.